Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One for the weekend this. The podcast that you need to listen to. One for Hello everyone, welcome to One for the Weekend with me, James Alcott, married man. Yeah, I'm back. You know, it wasn't a long honeymoon, I'm back, don't worry. Flav has gone on his own honeymoon uh, for one week only. Doesn't really, he's just not here today. But the return of the Mac! Ian McIntosh oh, yeah, I'm happy is here. Uh, fan League brand ambassador. Yes, should be happy about. absolutely. Uh, uh, I should say, Flaps texted me earlier. Apparently, I've got to uh, slag off Arsenal for some twenty minutes. So, yeah, that's what, I've got that in here. That's in the middle Excellent. bit. So we've so we got our levels up. Yeah, we're fine. Contract thing. Um, how have you been finding uh, Fan League and, and all that stuff? So, we, so me for anyone who doesn't know, Fan League is a, an app where you got to predict thirteen English uh, football games, Premier League, and Championship. And uh, myself and you, it's riff- I find it really odd. That yeah. you, like, you're a prestigious journalist. Uh, we've got Svengor and Ericsson on it. <laughs> so, like, cool people. Then there's me, and then there's... Um, the man with a horse's head. The gaffer, yeah. yeah. So we're all we're the pundits trying to kind of show some kind of knowledge of what we're doing. I've not done great. You've done okay, haven't you? You've had a couple yeah, of good it's weeks. it's been all right. I, I feel a lot of pressure when that tweet comes through on a Sunday evening. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scores. I'm like, okay, let's have a look. No, it's it's been all right. I haven't got more than ten out of thirteen. It's when you consider that we get seven hedges as well. Yeah. You know, so ten. half hedges is where you you can basically you can, you've got to predict who the winner or the loser is, or if it's going to be a draw. But you can have a second go, can't you? Yeah. And that's a half hedge, and we're given seven each. Which, which means really you should, should be, be getting doing seven. It. Yeah, yeah. You? The problem is you use the hedges on the games that you're not that sure about. Whereas I think if you use them on the games you really are sure about, then you'd basically be fireproof for seven. Yeah. Oh, right, I see what you mean. So if you said, like, Man United, Crystal Palace, well, obviously, home win, just in case, yeah. take it for a draw, you'd always guarantee yourself seven. So my best is 11 at 30, which I'm, I'm very I'm pleased with. However, my average, because there's so many stats on the, on the app, it's really cool. Um, but my, yeah, that kind of ruins it for me, because if it was just, like, PB, <laughs> I look strong, do you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But my average is definitely lower than, than yours. I think I've got ten three times now, so I would win money, but not not as much money so, uh, as I would as you'd like, for 11. Yeah. Um, so just to say that we have a one for the weekend league, which you can be involved in. Uh, Ian's not in it yet, but I'm going to invite uh-huh. him. We were chatting about that before. <laughs> um, so Ian's going to be in the league as well, so he can take us on. Uh, first hundred uh, people that um, want to be invited... Can be. All you got to do is uh, add me as a friend on the on the app, James Alcott, two L's, two T's, and I will invite you to the league so you can do that. Um, just so that the app as well, so, I mean, quite cool about it. That we, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, is that it's um, 10% of the revenue that family get for it, they put back into grassroots football, which I think is quite a nice, it's a nice thing that you don't really expect to, to see in something yeah. like this. So uh, that's another reason for, for getting involved. Uh, and then one last thing, uh, the family competition, you can win £1,000 if you invite two people to the app and like the Facebook page. 
So, yeah, that's the, the admin out of the way. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about uh, loads of great stuff. No flav, I'm afraid. But we do have Soldiers Lost in Battle. I've got music for that. And I've also got new music, which I've played to Ian, uh, with my Universal Football Truths. So if you are watching on YouTube, uh, thank you very much. And subscribe to the Ball Street channel because we're here every single week. If not, don't worry. Uh, the podcast is on iTunes. Again, just search One for the Weekend and you can uh, listen to it there. But what I want to know is people's Universal Football footballing truths so we're going to go through a few of those through some of the saddest stories in football and that i've found uh, as there wasn't many soldiers lost in battle in the comments last week so if you've got a really sad football story let us know that as well and we're also going to talk about a, a sort of a smorgasbord nice yeah, thank nice. you of uh international football broad strokes because there's games going on tonight we don't know exactly the the scores but um the situation in the international football but then the situation of the premier league as well and uh, the fact that uh, premier league clubs have decided to not allow the top six to have a little bit more money uh, i can imagine what your view is on that Ian, but we will get into that um but best place to start i think is maybe is england uh I, on this channel, I get a lot of stick for being quite optimistic about England. What is your current status when it comes to being an England fan? Are you an England fan? It's complicated. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not really an England fan. I used to be. I was talking to someone else the other day about Euro 96 and how amazing that was and what it meant to be English in the summer of 96 with so much that was going on in the country and amazing weather. And I was 18 and I could get served in pubs. It was lovely. Talk to girls about wetting myself, that kind of thing. It was an amazing time to be alive. <laughs> and I haven't felt like that about England for a long time. I think 2004 was the last time that I was really into it. But I think, in a way, that's a good thing, because I started being a football journalist in 2006. Um, and, and I think it's good to be kind of away from it, so you're not... You know, you're not I think it's best what to be you mean objective. by objective. Oh, right, I see. Yeah, it's and best it's... to be objective. Otherwise, you know, you become a bit of a fanboy, and I don't think people want that. If they're, they're paying for analysis, or even just clicking for free analysis and, <laughs> and reporting, I think they want it from someone who isn't emotionally involved. As a journalist, that's, uh, that's an interesting question for, for me to know, is do, how well are you able to keep bias out of your writing? Have you ever found moments where you've read back pieces and gone... <laughs> I should have kept my mouth shut there. When, when I first started, when I first started, I was quite bad at it because everyone has their, their, you know, their hates, their likes and their dislikes and they come with you. I'm quite fortunate because I'm a South End fan, so very little crossover. You know, generally <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I've, you know, I know I've got a, kind of the same things. So like, yeah, we, well, the year before I started working at Ball Street, uh, QBR in the Premier League, but since then we're kind of not on anyone's yeah. radar, so it's quite nice to get away from it. People accuse that. me of being a Manchester United fan, so I have, I have no <laughs> connection with that whatsoever. So that, that helps. Some people are very good at it. Some people can support their team and still write about football and never the twain should meet. Um, but I, I prefer doing it from this way. I, I haven't got a dog in the fight, um, mm. and, and I think it makes it... Makes it a little easier. In some Who ways. are a few of your favourites? You know, Saturday or Sunday morning, you get the newspapers. Who do you like to? If you see an article by them, you're like, yes, definitely. Get um, uh, anything by Rory Smith in the New York Times is fantastic. Danny Taylor's column on a Sunday in the Observer is fantastic. Um, loads. Of, I particularly like the specialists because even when you're literally paid to watch football for a living, there's so much football that yeah. you can't watch. Uh, you can't watch everything. So James Horncastle for Italy, Rafa Honigstein for Germany, uh, Julien Laurent for France, uh, the, the European writers, mm. uh, they're the ones I really enjoy as well because yeah, you, you only have a certain amount of time so you want to take something from everything you read, you want to learn something from everything you And read. how often do you boys get in a room and, and obviously you've got the podcast, yeah. but otherwise do you get to sort of pick their brains a lot or do you? Yeah, quite a lot. I mean... Um, you know, the, the Totally Football Show, which I'm very glad you've mentioned, and I may mention several yeah, times before free. I leave. The podcast. Um, yeah, which is always great, where everyone gets together and you, you share a bit of information. And in a lot of cases, uh, particularly with the guys who do the, the local newspapers or local radio, you know, you, you get to a game, you've got two or three hours before kickoff. So yeah. you'll spend a lot of time, you know, going around saying hi to people, finding out what's going on, because in almost all circumstances, there's someone in the room who knows more than me. Are, they, are journalists like massive gossips? Oh, they're the worst. They've got to be right up there. It's like they? mean girls with laptops. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> really? there are shifting alliances and feuds, backstabbing and backbiting. It's absolutely evil out there. Really? Mm. And I always, I, I remember like Mike Bassett's England manager, that, that, that group of journalists. <laughs> yeah. There's, who's the guy with the moustache that has followed um, England around forever? 
What, he's in on real Sky life? Sports a lot. And uh, Nick Collins. Nick Collins. Uh, yeah, formerly of Sky Sports now. Right. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's a good guy. He's been with the camp for a long, long time. I think when he when he left Sky, they had a whole presentation and everything for uh, him. We've been doing is that it like, so Is that a bit like international journalism? That if you get to like to, to report to be that guy, like yeah, I think there's there's different levels and there's different things that people want to do. I mean, generally the being the chief football correspondent or number one as it tends to be known as it's like the key that's where you <laughs> when want did to that change? Yeah, um, I want to be known as number, number one. one you're the number one and then you get chief sports correspondent which is even higher because right. then you go to things like the Ryder Cup nice. um, and the Super Bowl and things yeah. like that and in some circles they are known as the Dukes the Dukes? Yeah. Because? Um, because that's how high they wow. are on the, in the hierarchy. Do you aspire to be a Duke one day? No, good no. God, no. I'm Your luck- Duke days are over. I'm lucky enough to be this far. <laughs> really? OK. Still getting paid to talk about it. I'm not entirely sure how it's happened. So, England, I'm going to go out there. We've qualified for the World Cup. <laughs> I mean, that's so, what should be happening. If it doesn't happen, then feel free to hammer me uh, in the comments or on Twitter. <laughs> um, going to the World Cup... There's, the expectation from a lot of England fans is, is quite low. Um, we were going through the, the squad earlier today and uh, Adam uh, was, was like, wow, that is, that is the worst squad we have in a while. <laughs> but, as we were saying before the podcast started, Portugal won the Euros. Yeah. That, yes, of course, they had the greatest player in the world. But... Messi? Well, you know, according please to the current trophies... Me. Please don't kill me. <laughs> Everyone's so scared of that, aren't they? Everyone's so scared of that. Um, um, well, yeah, they, but they did win it. Yeah, so. and, and Ronaldo actually wasn't that good. I mean, the game no. against Hungary, which I was lucky enough to be at, when he'd taken a lot of criticism for missing free kick after free kick, he was brilliant in that. But the rest of the tournament wasn't really all that. That was um, that was a team Injured in together. the final, of course, as well. Absolutely. So so we can things can happen. Yeah. Um, for England to do something, mm. a lot of talk about Harry Kane. What an incredible September he's had. Had an awful August before that. It's funny how people decide now he's amazing. A month ago he wasn't. Is he... People are sort of shaping up that he is the most important player for England. Would you agree with that? And if not, who do you think is going into a World Cup is going to be the most important player I'd for certainly agree that he's the most important. Not just in the simple fact that he scores a lot of goals, which is quite crucial but in the the character that he is and the um the example he shows on the pitch his his performances are in a weird kind of way very reminiscent of david beckham when he was captain now he doesn't tend to shout his mouth off in public but when he's got the england shirt on you see him clattering back to the halfway line to win stuff and then getting back forward and just winning the ball and knowing where everyone is and spreading the play about playing selflessly Mm. but also very well in, in in what he does um he's uh, at his best, he's an inspiration. Yeah, because I think he's gone from... Someone's describing him as, as Alan Shearer, but actually I think a better description of him... Oh, sorry, comparison of him is, is Frank Lampard, who has... Both have a certain amount of quality, but you know that they've put the work in, that they're intelligent, that yeah. they're professional, and it's allowed them to improve and become world-class players. And that's what I find really impressive of in Kane and what I can understand in him being, say, captain for, for England and being one of our most important players is because, like Beckham, he just does it. He's not, yeah. he's not hollering. And like, uh, like Lampard and like Gary Neville as well, he, he is a player... I mean, let's not damn him with faint praise. Uh, Harry Kane is a very good footballer. Um, he's got a lovely touch, an incredible finish, um, great awareness... But he is who he is because he's worked so hard yeah. and because he continues to work so hard. And he, hopefully this will continue to be the case. He keeps himself clean and tidy and mm. you know, doesn't have any problems off the field. Um, I guess the, that, the fear is that what happened in the Euros is that he's yes. been drained by, yes. the, by the end of the season. Though in this he was much. hardly alone. Um, yeah, that is true. That is everyone's true. bottoms fell out that day. And I was there for that as well and it was... Yeah, no, no one escaped with anything even remotely approaching glory. True, very true. Um, and, that, and that really is, is what limits England. Mm. Uh, to go back to the original question, it's about mentality and it's about strength. Tournaments will be won by the team that's, that, that wins the tournament because of a set of factors that take place. In 2004, England really should have won the European Championships. But they had uh, Rooney's injury in the quarterfinals coming off so early. They had the penalty shootout, the disallowed goal, the ball, yeah. you know, all of that. Things went, went against them. It's not necessarily the best team or the team with the best player who wins. There's an awful lot of luck and circumstances that, that comes together. Absolutely. All you can do is have a decent plan, 
a bit of backup and a decent enough squad. England, I think, have all of those things. They just they've got to have it up there. If you put Kane to one side, who do you next hope will step up and, and can be that player for for England to um, kind of to get us get us through a game because yeah, he well, can't do it every single time. You're probably looking at Deli Alley, who's had a fairly quiet start to the season. Really, he hasn't exactly shone, and the uh, the cheeky finger. I don't think really. <laughs> I love that. It's brilliant. <laughs> really helped anyone. <laughs> it was so odd. It's such a great meme as well. <laughs> I, I just, just didn't expect it at all. We did a podcast the next day, and I was like, I like, I love the fact that he's unaware enough to go well, do this joke, or I like pretend <laughs> that you like I hate you because you've moved to Man City. Like, of course, it was clearly a joke for him to get banned for it. Which I just, oh, yes. Just imagine in that position, knowing what he knows about being a high-level footballer and having TV cameras everywhere, and he thinks he thinks that's going to work. Yeah, it was uh, staggering. But he's young, and God knows I did worse things at his age. Uh, one last thing with England is that the squad not being as strong as as we would like it to, certainly not as strong as say two thousand four squad, two thousand six squad. Mm. Do we need to take a leaf out of the books of Republic of Ireland, of Scotland, of Wales recently? Of Getting players who maybe aren't completely ready for the England first team yet, but ensuring that they can be down the line. I'm talking about Wilfred Zaha, who we've missed out on now, mm. and um, Tammy Abraham, who had a great season in the championship last year. You know, he's got the pedigree of being uh, coming from Chelsea, and he's going to be playing football this this season, and I think will be good enough for England at some stage. Um, but wasn't put in the, in the squad. I know it's important and it's, world, it's the World Cup and stuff like that, but are we missing a trick there if we don't do that quickly? Because it looks like Nigeria are after him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, the thing I'd, I do like about the England football team at the moment is the, the gradual, not flawless, but gradual move towards running it as a club. Um, and Uruguay were great at this for about the last 15 years under Tabarez, where if there was a gap in the squad... They didn't just go for, let's say they, they lost a striker. They wouldn't just look at an unheralded 28-year-old Uruguayan who is in a bit of a flash of form. They'd go, all right, let's try the kid from the under-21s or the kid from the under-20s, mm. and they'd throw them in. That's um, why Sebastian Cuates uh, was part of their Copper America winning team in 2011, even though I think he was about 18 or 19 at the time. So I like the idea of that, and I like the idea of... Not taking everything so seriously as well. The friendlies, you get a bad result in a friendly and everyone goes crackers. And you're like, it's just Calm a friendly. Yeah. yeah, we should be using those for experimenting. Mm. We should be going, all right, let's, let's have a crack at this back three. Let's, let's try it with Pep's inverted fullbacks. And let's try it with Tammy Abraham coming on for a bit because he did so well in the summer for the under-21s. Well, let's throw on Zaha for the last ten minutes, see if he can change a game. The problem is the judgment of... Fans, the media, yeah. everyone's ready, and there's this cycle. Like now, we're kind. Well, even now, it's it's like yeah, but yeah, you're getting through to the World Cup, but you're never going to do anything. Yeah. And they are. Everyone is ready, aren't they? I mean, that, look, the Iceland performance was outrageously bad. Oh, almost heroically. People bad. were yeah. <laughs> people were. You knew people were ready to go. What disappoints me sometimes is like in the bit before. Let, just wash your mind. Yeah, just, just go. Chill. Just go obliviously go, be optimistic again. Why not? Um, an optimistic set of fans would be Northern Ireland with the, the situation they're in. Uh, they're, they've, got, uh, they've got Germany tonight. Um, but regardless of that, which I, I don't think they're ever going to get near uh, the top of the group. But they, that must be an enjoyable experience to be a Northern Ireland fan and to oh, go gosh, through what yeah. they're going through. And... and Generally, it goes to the broader thought of football fans just want to... They just want to exceed expectation, whatever those expectations oh, are. Do you know what? It's I was a nice in, place to be. I was in France last year. I think it was Nice for Northern Ireland's first game. And I've never seen as many people having such a good time at the football. And having come from Marseille the night before in England, Russia, and all the assorted nastiness that went with it, that being there for that first Northern Ireland game, it's Northern Ireland-Poland... Um, they were just they're on the seafront. They got the beers. Everyone's in green, singing the songs. Yeah. And of course, the the poles generally they're, they're football supporters. When it comes to drinking beer, there's very few who get close to them, even even from these islands. So you've just got two really happy, friendly groups of fans exchanging beers and stories, exchanging songs with a mm. Will Griggs song. Um, the poles were like, that's great. They all <laughs> adopted to ours, and that's where it all started that's to spread. Good, yeah. oh, I'd love to be a Northern Ireland fan. And. Do you think I saw? I read a really good comment in one of our videos a little while ago. It was about 
do you think football fans know when they're in a good moment? So, for reason, <laughs> like a Spurs fan right now, you yeah. might be thinking, "Well, no, we're a big club. We're going to be. We're going to continue to do well. We're going to continue to have a great side." You might not. Like it does. It, obviously, it does ebb and flow. But when you're in the you're in the middle of a good bit, it's difficult to know that it is because it is so. Um, it's so quick to go away. Yeah, well, but we, they must know that. We had a stage. At, we had a stage at Southend when Steve Tilson was manager. We got back-to-back promotions from the fourth division to the second division, and we were playing really good football. And even when we lost, there was a sense that it was like, well, you know what, we've gone out there, played a decent game, well, it got done by the odd goal. I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, and I think I did realise at the time how much fun it was. Really, I, I hope so, um, because now it's. You know, tends to be miserable. I get to the point now where I'm like, and this is outrageous. Adam will piss himself. I, like QPR is so mid-table right oh, now. Oh god, so mid-table. Oh, it's incredible. Um, but Holloway's got a he's got a team that works really really hard. Very limited, <laughs> but works really hard. <laughs> and I kind of I'm okay, I quite enjoy I'm kind of enjoying that in a weird way because we ha- didn't have that previously. But what I get sad about now being a bit older is that. Holloway will go one day. <laughs> and with him, he'll take... I know... Like a beloved people, dog. Yeah, exactly. You're 12 now. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> yeah, he, was, like, he will get put down, Holloway, sooner or later. And that's like... I think about that now when I go to him. I'm like, enjoy it. Because at least you've got a manager who cares at this moment in time. Because sooner or later, you might get Paul Hart as your manager. But it's his little no face I'd worry about. Like taking Ian Holloway to the vet. Oh, you give him a little chocolate bar. <laughs> right, where are we going? <laughs> I'm having a wonderful time today. Oh, what's that big needle? I oh, feel so sleepy. <laughs> I'm like, no, Ollie. Jesus Christ, the futility of life. Oh, my God. If Pixar are doing a sort of dog <laughs> thing, get Ollie on it. That oh, would be amazing. His voice would be perfect. Or you, that was really good. That's a <laughs> uh, Wales versus Republic of Ireland uh, on Monday could be... Just a massive game. Yeah. At the moment, Wales are one point ahead. They've got Georgia um, tomorrow night, Friday night. Sorry, tonight <laughs> when this comes out. <laughs> um, Moldova uh, are playing Republic of Ireland. If Wales win and Ireland don't, then they are through. But what's more likely is that it's going to go to that last game. That going into sense. this, without bail, Wales yeah. don't have bail. He's out for four weeks. Well, I've, I have read this was interesting. Is that he's had nine calf injuries now. Seven in the same leg. Is, that, is, is this the beginning of... Not the beginning of the end, but is he going to have to adapt how he plays? Because he just can't be that explosive because his calves can't handle it. Well, if he does have to, he's pretty well set for it. I mean, he's already adapted so many times anyway. He was initially a little skinny left-back. Yeah. And then a left-winger and then an all-out kind of everything. Um, you know, he'd probably make a very decent target man. It'd yeah, be, it would be a shame if uh, all of the gifts that he has, that that's how he becomes. But I guess, um, yeah, you're right. At least of, he's intelligent enough yeah. to... And it's going from disgusting pace to probably mediocre yeah. pace. I, mean, I, I could think of worse sort of frontal pivots to blast the ball at and have him bring other people into Very play. True. Um, can Wales... Would you rather be Wales or Ireland in this situation I when you think, haven't got that guy? I think I'd rather be Wales. Really? Um, I've seen uh, Ireland a couple of times and... There, there isn't that kind of oof that makes you think great things could be expected. It just hasn't really happened. Feels like the end of a cycle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Wales is the end of a cycle too because I think Chris Coleman will be be off after this one. But yeah, I'd probably probably be more confident being Welsh right now. But that, I mean, what a game that will be oh, on Monday. What night. an atmosphere as well. A song. I mean, again, uh, two teams that I I saw. Uh, a couple of times each in uh, in France, and the atmosphere from their supporters—it's yeah. just incredible. Yeah, um, I see. Yeah, I saw them when I was out there as well. They were, it was. Well, the, I went from Marseille <laughs> with the England fans running away from Tierbol to going to Paris, where there was one police car and probably about. I would say about 10,000 Irish yeah. fans at four in the morning just took over this strip of of Paris, just getting hammered, and no one cared. Yeah. Because they were just like they're just the nicest yeah. <laughs> group. <laughs> There's a lot of self policing that goes on um, with uh, with those sets of fans. Mm. Uh, Northern Ireland as well. Uh, the barrier went down. There's a huge queue for the coaches on uh, on the seafront with the Northern Irish and the Polish fans, and a barrier that was used to kind of 
you know, snake the queue around fell down and a couple of fans started jumping over so they could rush for the bus and they didn't have to queue. And uh, this big booming voice just came out like, no, no, that's how disasters happen. And everyone just sort of stopped and went, yep, fair point. And they actually picked up the fences. The people who'd already climbed over sort of sheepishly climbed back. So, yeah, you, you get a lot of that. That's crazy. Oh, can't wait. Ne- like, next year's going to be great. Well, it may be great, hopefully. <laughs> I just realised it's in Russia. So, right. uh, Argentina. Wow. Mm. Um, Sam Paoli, the uh, manager, uh, obviously did so well with Chile. Gone to Argentina. He thought that was going to be great. Incredible squad, but... They are fifth in their group. They play Peru uh, at midnight. And even if they can get through that game, they still won't be completely through. If they finish fifth, they go through the, to a playoff against New Zealand. But they could easily finish sixth. Chile are beneath them. They have to play uh, Ecuador in Quito. No one wants that. No one wants that uh, at, the end of, uh, at the end of the qualifying next week. Um, but they must have looked at that fixture list and saw the Ecuador-Quito game because obviously the altitude drains you. And they must have thought, oh, thank God we got that last. We'll be long since qualified yeah. by then. But it's, it's amazing that these kind of teams, can, with the personnel that they've got, can get themselves in that kind of predicament. Uh, it shows how difficult that group is. And there's so many games. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a difficult group. It's also a very difficult situation for, for any manager. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, because you've you've got the we always take for granted the human aspect of, of running an international team, but most of the players are in Europe, so you've got to fly them across yeah. the Atlantic to get them down. Um, they won't see each other very often, and when you're playing the kind of football that San Paoli want, wants to play, you need time. You need time yeah. so that everyone knows each other's runs, so that everyone can cover each other's positions. And if you don't have that time, then there's so much frailty, so much vulnerability, so many things that can go horribly, horribly wrong. And that, I mean, you know, that, that appears to be what's happening. There's no fluency there. They're scoring one goal a game. They've only that's scored 16, and that's a team with Messi. Brazil, for their part, have scored 38. And the, San Paulo, his, his philosophy is it's about high-intensity, uh, attacking with force, huge amounts of effort. It could be one of those where you think this is a great manager who's going to really get something out of this squad, but actually, sometimes managers suit the type yeah. of, of club and the personnel that yeah. can make that club successful. Maybe with Argentina, he's got a problem there where you've got, yeah, you've got Messi and Dybala, who are, he's apparently not going to play in the same team because they haven't played enough time together. Dybala's got 12 goals this season already. Messi is Messi. I find that slightly strange. You're not just going to go, I would just go. <laughs> yeah. Off you go, lads. There's a man putting structure above personnel more than But it's fascinating else, you can have but... such a good squad, and maybe even even with a great squad and probably a great manager, sometimes there just isn't that fit. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the reasons, to take it back to England, that I think Southgate might have a chance with the England job because his best times have been in an international setup with the under 21s. 
um, his preference is to work with the players as people, to develop them as people. Um, and he'll be there'll be players in the squad now that he managed at under yeah. twenty one. He'll be watching them closely as they come up through the ranks. International football isn't club football. It doesn't. You can't just bring in new players. You've just got to work with what you got. You've got to be very adaptable. Um, you've got to be very inspirational. Um, and if it does start to go wrong, there's not much you can do. And of course, the biggest problem: if it goes wrong, you have a bad result. You've got to sit there dwelling on it for for months yeah. sometimes. And and you you got a smaller pool of games as well, actually. Just yeah. Because. Yeah, it's done like that, isn't and, it? And they, uh, the people you're playing have got a smaller pool of games. So when it comes to scouting and trying to figure out what they're doing, they're in the same position, flying 22 players over from Europe, some of whom will be fit, some won't, some will be tired, some won't, yeah. some will be moody, some won't. It's uh, incredibly difficult. I, I, I think club football is now at a level where it's far better than international football. But international football is probably the harder one. It would be interesting to see a study on, on what are the characteristics of a good international mm. team now. Because I think you're right. It's just it's a completely different thing, completely different thing. Um, that's enough of the uh, international stuff. Um, let's go to Premier League and clubs voting against the redistribution of overseas TV money. So should I just let you go? Oh, Thoughts? fuming! Absolutely fuming. What you've got with the Premier League is um, it's not technically the best league. Well, I think we have to be very, very clear on that. Um, it's not even the best in terms of atmosphere because I think Germany's great. Everyone's got beers on them and yeah, singing. And, but the Premier League does have something. It has the fact that there are no procession games at all. I think this caught Pep Guardiola by surprise, yeah. particularly Burnley-related. Burnley gave him a real shock. There are no games where you just think, I'm not even going to watch this, it's going to be 6 now. The Crystal Palace are ruining this point a little bit right now. <laughs> But, but they won't forever, will they? It's They're going to get better. It's a tight level. There's a lot of money there, and it's a relatively tight level. The goose is laying golden eggs. It's laying 20 of them every year. When it's laying 20 of them every year, you don't squeeze its ass and try and get even more out. You just accept there's gold. Mm. They're going to ruin it. They're going to ruin the product by trying to be greedy and trying to get more. Now, I take the point that they're making... They're saying overseas fans, they're not tuning in for Burnley. They're tuning in for Man United, Manchester City. That's not entirely true. They're tuning in to watch Man United, Man City in a game, in a proper game where it's actually exciting. That's why people watch the Premier League. If you create an even bigger gulf between those clubs, and the gulf, by the way, is absolutely enormous already. It's incredible that anyone even gets close. You make that even worse, you make the product worse, and then people stop watching it. Yeah, a great example for me is I went I, I went to the football with my dad and then we watched uh, we went to a bar and we watched Sheffield Wednesday versus Nottingham Forest and we watched Man United versus Stoke and it was you know one of those where there's screens everywhere. I couldn't keep my eyes off the championship game. Obviously, worst players, but it's because it was end to end. It was yeah. fast paced. Two teams going for it. The other game, you had two banks of four, just trying and it's just sideways, sideways, sideways football. Because two teams weren't. You don't want to watch a, you don't want to watch a boxing match with one guy just running around in circles trying <laughs> to keep away, and the other guy's chasing him. You want two yeah. guys going at it, and if you the, the the bigger the golf, the worse of the product. Exactly, I couldn't agree more with you. And the worse of the product, the in the long run, you'll either you'll lose the money of, um, yeah, you'll lose the money that people want to spend in the Premier League, and what that's just going to lead to is this Super League, isn't it? Because yeah. they get. Fed up with it because we're already seeing that in the Champions League. The money's so poorly distributed now that people go like Maribor and Carabag and those teams who could have had a chance at like 20, probably 20 years ago. Yeah. Now. What was incredible, the finances last year, Juventus made more money than Real Madrid, who won it. And um, the year before, Basel got further than Liverpool and made half of what they made. And People forget that you've got to retain the integrity of the sport. And to do that, you do need to lift some teams up as opposed to others to allow that to, to remain. You see that in the NFL. Yeah. So it's naive, in my opinion. No, the Premier League you know, always lambasted the, the, you know, the, the Premier League uh, on, on a number of levels. But they've actually been really cool about this. They're trying to make sure that overseas money gets equally split. Now, there are already ways the bigger clubs make more money. There's the prize money, which is obviously, and quite rightly, graded so that the higher you finish, the more money you get. I think that's a good thing. There's the domestic rights, which are split 
another way, uh, one of the ways of which is, you know, on how many games you are on TV for. That's absolutely fine too. Got no problem with that. But this international money is there for the, the, the league. Yeah. Because the league is good. And they're saying that the, the fear is if they don't bend over enough to the big six, the big six will do what happened 25 years ago. They'll vanish off and make their own league. Part of me is like, go on then. Go and see, go and see how that works because you know what will happen. The clubs pushing for it are so used to being in a scenario where they're always going to pretty much finish top or thereabouts. Not one of them has considered the new reality, which will involve a lot of them not finishing anywhere near the top. You start a European Super League now, and I'm only saying for like the, the sake of argument. But let's say like Manchester United come 15th out of 16, Bayern Munich come 14th out of 16, and then you run that on about 10 years. Because that's what, what yeah, yeah. someone has to come last, and none of them think it will be them. Yeah, I'm I'm so close now to just going. Go on, go on, go. Yeah, and do you know what? The good side of that would be that the fans of clubs that you can I can see us. I I couldn't believe it when we got into the Premier League because I remember I remember us being in in Division Two as it was then, and and having seven players and just getting guys on freeze. And you kind of, you, your brain could just about dream getting to the Premier League. Mm. But now that you can't, you're you're insane if you think that you can. Anyone could do a Leicester again. It's too. And, yeah, and that, you that saw that because as soon as it happened, right. the, the year after, the, those big clubs went, not letting this happen again, yeah. and spent and outrageous amounts. So I think you're, to I, a point, I'd be very sad because it it might not feel the same. But the bottom line is, sports about winning things and or having the hope of winning things. And so if if that brings that back to us a bit, then I, I wouldn't mind that. I'm not offended by the greed. I understand greed. It's a part of sport. It's a part of life. That's, you know, that, that's there and, uh, and that's what it is. What offends me is stupidity. This is a great product and everyone's making money and everyone's winning. And they're trying to screw it up mm. just because they want a bit more in their pocket. That's yeah. just stupid. Yeah, I agree. Um, Fingers crossed. So it's only been adjourned for three weeks. It could, mm. It's going to come back with a new offer, I guess. Um, but hopefully it doesn't kind of create a bigger divide in it because it's yeah it's it's not helpful. Uh, Kronke looking to buy Usmanov's shares. Uh, this is a story that's kind of come out in the last couple of days. Twenty eight grand per share, I think it was five hundred twenty something uh, million for Usmanov's shares. That would give uh, Kronke ninety seven percent of the total shares. What's the best solution that Arsenal fans can hope for in, in the long run of this whole thing? Because um, he's not—he's not going anywhere, is he? No, no. But you've got counts. two guys there who do not—they don't have a working relationship. No, exactly. Um, and and they have their own motivations for this. And um, I don't think there is an ideal solution, really, um, unless Kroenke's planning to you know shore up his position and then push even harder at making the team successful but I think there, there are limitations there straight away. Well I think there's suggestions from the other other clubs that he's owned that he's not too bothered about that. The other no. organisations and franchises that he owns are mediocre at best, they have awful records. He has a very very big product and a very very big league in uh, not forgetting the, the, the money that London attracts. Mm. You, you've got a team in London with 60,000 seats up at Newcastle last weekend, their matchday revenue is a fraction of, of Arsenal's, even though the crowds are relatively similar, because people pay more in London. What do you, you do? As, what do you boxes. do as a football fan in that in that situation? You just have You're to accept. Paralysed, yeah, aren't you? Really? The economic realities. I think Arsenal make about three and a half million quid every time they play a home game. Sunderland, for their part, were making about twelve, thirteen million pound a season from all of their home wow. games. So Cronky having a London uh, asset is. Useful. Yeah, <laughs> Useful yeah you can see why he's considering investing even more. Um, it's interesting to know what people thought about that. If you're an Arsenal fan, what you think, what is the resolution? What is an actual realistic resolution where you're happy with it? I, I think it's a really difficult thing for you guys to go through. Um, but yeah, let's know what you think about that. Uh, and last one, because we, uh, we've got international football, but next week, Liverpool versus Man United. Yeah. Two, uh, two clubs, two of the, big, the two biggest clubs in, in English football. Um, incredible history, the two of them. Liverpool fans must be like, you thought Man United were kind of drifting here, <laughs> and then they literally come flying back. Yeah. Um, what I want to talk about just briefly before we get into universal footballing truths and soldiers lost in battle, um, and then we'll wrap up, but is Klopp and Mourinho so different mm. as managers? 
but quite fitting as figureheads of those two two clubs. I yeah. Think. Who do you prefer, and who do you who do you like to write about more? Um, that's really interesting. I think they're both fascinating characters. In in preference, I mean, I think Mourinho's the better manager, um, and Mourinho is doing his Mourinho thing, where I love him for his transfer clarity, where he just sits there in the summer and goes, I need this, this, and this. Go. Mm. And then he gets this, this, and this, and he's pretty much reinforced his squad in every possible area. And then he's got the system that he plays where he will gradually just open up and allow a little bit more creativity only when the back line is sorted. They are militaristic, and, and I mean that as a compliment. And uh, they're like a crack outfit. They're all big and strong. They won't be beaten for a fight. We saw away at Southampton. Yeah, they won't be beaten in a game when they're under pressure. Um, and what I really like about this team now, last season they didn't look like a Manchester United team. Now, Manchester United are a certain kind of team. They have swagger, they have arrogance, they have nastiness. So they are bastards <laughs> when they're really going well. And what Mourinho seems to have done, possibly as a reaction to the idea that he's a defensive manager, is he's letting them off the leash more. He always had a thing at Chelsea, get 2-0 up, shut it down, kill the game as a spectacle, take the points. But now he's like, keep going, and look at the goals they're getting in the last 10 minutes yeah. as they just start to go up through the gears. Do you think punishing his, people. Do you think his greatness is, uh, how much is that down to tactical stuff and how much is just... Lost down to the tactical stuff. The way that he carries himself, the way that he... The mentality that he clearly instills in the team. He's, he's very good on tactics. He's very good on setting the tone um, in, in what he expects from a player. He's got balls like beach balls. <laughs> he will um, pick out players and have them removed. And remember at Chelsea with uh, Mutu and the, uh, the, the, the drug yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mutu was near on 30 million quid signing and he had no compunction in getting rid of him. That sent a message to everybody. Um, he's done it here with Manchester United with Rooney. <laughs> You know, yeah. Record goal scorer at your time. And you knew he was done. lying. I oh, felt like he was lying. I think that he was kind of. I'm not putting it. Don't put it on me. He can go whenever he wants to go because he's a legend. I think he gradually knew. the truth will out there. Um, I think that he basically handed Rooney the rope. Yeah. And, and he was just like, I'm going to play you here, I'm going to play you here, I'm going to play you here, I'm going to play you here. And then it's not a question of me booting you out. It's a question of the whole world seeing that you are not oh, at that level anymore. Um, but Klopp, on the flip side. Klopp is very positive. It's all about like, attacking football and getting young players in. And this is why the criticism of him and his reign at Liverpool, I, I can't really get my head around. If I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be like, oh, OK, we're not, we're not there yet, but we're getting there. Yeah. And, and we're getting to a point where this is the kind of thing I like. And it is frustrating. It's the same old problems at the back and at the front. But their, their, their whole attitude, their, everything that Liverpool stands for under Klopp, I'll... I'd be buying into that. I'd really like. I agree, and, and it wasn't like, like the frustration Arsenal fans would have is that it doesn't seem like we're even going for these yeah. guys. Liverpool went <laughs> a bit too, a bit too ferociously. They went for Van Dijk, and and that will happen sooner or later. It seems like he's already making yeah. rumblings that like we'll see what happens in January. But the the ambition is there. The the gusto is there. I think. I wonder. That's what I was saying about Mourinho. Do you think the reason he's great is because sometimes he is quite. He's very cunning and clinical and quite level. Mm. And there, there's, there can be a kind of attention to that which can work for you with Klopp because he is. I remember chat to Paul from Redmond TV about this. Was like, do you think he'll run out of gas a bit because he is just 100 miles an hour? And I hope. I hope he doesn't because I think it's quite inspirational for someone to have to keep going and having that have that energy. Yeah. And um, the, the fundamental difference between the two is Mourinho will make the prospect of defeat as unlikely as possible first, and then he'll concentrate on the winning. Whereas Klopp's like a Labrador in a park, yeah. just off, yeah. <laughs> ear inside out, tail wagging. Let's win, let's win, let's win. Yeah. And it, for them as well, it it just hasn't clicked a lot of the time. They've had a lot of shots. Mm. They've dominated every game they've played in. Yeah. It just hasn't clicked at times. And I think people just kind of... There's that blanket judgment of, well, did you win the game or did you lose the game? But then, again, these things take time. And even if you go back to Shankly, we were talking earlier. Um, Shankly, of course, took Liverpool out of the second division into the first division. He won the title two years later and then again, uh, and again in 66. But then I think you have six or seven years without winning anything. Mm. You know, teams ebb and flow. Same with same with Fergie. You know, he got there in '86. Yeah. Took him, you know, it took him until '92, '93 to sorry, it took him until 1990 to win the FA Cup. And then obviously it all flowed. 
but it obviously does take time. And imagine if you didn't have those two managers in, in English football. Yeah. It would be a very different climate. And we wouldn't be talking about this game with the same, same um, thought as, as, we, as we are. Um, but that, I mean, that would be a great game. Hope, God, I hope it's better than last time. Oh, yeah, last time was not <laughs> was so bad. So built up, wasn't it? Yeah. Red Monday, <laughs> you this know, is it. The worst thing about that was I was working on the Monday night on something else, so I had to tape it, and then I found out the result and how bad a game it was, and I still had to watch oh, it. Grim. Really? See, people think your jobs. <laughs> I know, it's they don't realise the sacrifice of James. Right, uh, it's my new bit. I like new little bits, and this is one. And we'll see if it works or not. Uh, let's know yours, uh, your universal footballing truths. I've written down a few. I'll ask the boys in the office, and I think you've got one as well, haven't you, Ian? But I've got, um, because it's, it's quite eerie x file stuff. I've gone for eerie x file music, so here it is. It'll slowly reveal itself to you. Right, Universal Footballing Truths, it can be absolutely anything. Let me know uh, yours in the uh, comments below or on Twitter at Ball Street. Here is my first Universal Footballing Truth given by Rory from CFC Fan TV. Referees are wankers. Not pricks, not derbros. <laughs> Only wankers. <laughs> Only wankers. Sometimes the C one, but we won't say that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Overall, referees are wankers. Okay. Uh, X players will score against your club. The immutable law of the X. It's a universal football injury. Over 50% of all corners will result in a stadium groan. I think that number's higher. I think it might be as well. Yeah. Uh, Next week, maybe. I'll bump that up. Should it be higher or not? Let me know. There will always be someone within a five-seat radius who knows more than the manager. Nice. There's always someone at South End in a five-seat radius who sounds like Ken Livingstone. Oh, come on, South End. What <laughs> that? Ken Livingstone. <laughs> wow. Um, nine out of ten chants are to the tune Sloop John B. I think all chants are Sloop John B. I don't think there are any other now. I didn't know what Sloop John B was. Someone told me that. But there is, it's a... Uh, <laughs> Come on, guys, we're going to be betting this. The Phil Brown tune. But it is a universal Another one. truth. The any, final one. That's all any I've got free kick, any free kick that takes longer than 45 seconds to assemble will be driven into the wall. <laughs> That's every so time. Every time. I love that that bit came in just then. <laughs> <laughs> So that's this week's uh, Universal Footballing Truths. Uh, let us know yours in the comments um, and we'll read them out next week. Speaking of which, Soldiers Lost in Battle, a kind of a, a good thing and a bad thing. Not many Soldiers Lost in Battle actually last week, which is, uh, I mean, it's good. It's less sad stories. For those of you who don't know, Soldiers Lost in Battle is, um, is when we go through some of the saddest stories in, in football. Don't worry though, I've done my work and I've found some of the just really difficult stories to go through and because people need to know these stories, we need to share them, we need to communicate them so that we can move on from them. So here are some of the saddest stories uh, that I've collated on football. Okay. This first one is with regard to Luis Suarez in the mm. summer of 2014. His, this is his excuse for being sent off against Italy. He had a strong pain in my teeth. I lost my balance making my body unstable and falling on top of my opponent, said Luis Suarez, uh, in his submission to the FIFA panel when he plunged his teeth into Giorgio Chiellini's shoulder. At that moment, I hit my face against the player, leaving a small bruise on my cheek and a strong pain in my teeth. He was (laughs) misrepresented. It's not fair, is it? Poor Newcastle United in January 1998 when they played Stevenage and they lost 3-1. Because according to Kenny Dalgleish, the balls were too bouncy. <laughs> Just two years ago, Yaya Toure decided he wanted out of Man City because the club didn't wish him happy birthday. Not only that, they didn't give him a birthday cake. Treat humans like animals. His player's agent said, what happened at his birthday meant the club don't care about him. Correct. It was proof. (laughs) They can say whatever they want. (laughs) Oh, we like him, but we forgot. 
None of them shook his hand on his birthday. It's really sick. It is sick. In this world right now. <laughs> current climate. That is sick. That is sick. I bet they had a card as well, and it was just signatures. There weren't messages. Yeah. Just like when you're like, oh, I can't bother to write anything. In 1996, this might not work. In 1996, Man United were trained 3 0 to an average Southampton side at half time, Premier League. The reason why? The players were wearing a grey strip, so they couldn't, they were finding it difficult to pick each other out, according to Alex Ferguson. So they had to change the strip. And what kit were they wearing the other night in Russia? Grey. Grey. They lost 3 1. Didn't make much of a difference. Poor Liverpool in the FA Cup final defeat to Arsenal in 1971. The reason they lost was because the wool shirts were too heavy. Yeah, that can happen. That can happen. That can happen. Oh, and last one, because I quite like this one. Oh, too far. Hang on. Oh. <laughs> oh, forget it. Last one was poor Mohamed Al-Fayed. His Fulham side were relegated to the championship, and the reason for that was because the lucky statue of pop star Michael Jackson was removed by Shahid Khan from outside the ground. The statue was a charm, said Alfired, and we removed the luck from the club, and now we have to pay the price. Extraordinary <laughs> that they were promoted to the Premier League and held their own there for some time without the statue. Without, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, exactly. It wasn't even there. It wasn't their first <laughs> no. season, was it? No. Very good point. Uh, some of the saddest stories in, in football that mm. I, could, I could find, it's important to share. This is what this one for the weekend's about. That's getting together, coming together and, and you know, communicating. Strength for a unit. That's exactly what a podcast is. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Ian. It's been a pleasure. Mate, it's always good to have you here, have a sit down, have a chat. Um, this is a great podcast, which people should subscribe to on uh, iTunes, on YouTube. But there's another podcast. Well, in fact, there are two. There's oh, a wow. totally football show. You can have a listen to that. You can subscribe on iTunes. It's hosted by James Richardson. It's really, really good. But there's also, if, like me and James, you support a crap team, there's a Totally Football League show nice. as well, which I present. That's on a Tuesdays. So have a look for both of them. Give us, uh, give us a try. Um, and, you know, maybe you'll like it. That's it. Uh, we are both on the Fan League app. We do our picks every week. Um, so you can utilise our wisdom. <laughs> Apparently your championship picks have been good Because yeah, you've researched for the podcast Absolutely, I'm having a lot more luck there uh, And if you want to be in the league with us Me, Flav DT's in the league uh, Jamel15 I think is in the league Ian's going to be in the league as, as well 100 places for that, get involved um, And uh, we'll start looking at the leaderboards soon Because people start to get their average You get some really good stats on it So get involved with Fan League And you could also win that £1,000 If you uh, get two people to download the app and you like the Facebook page, so go and do that now. Go get the app, because it's good fun. We're going to be doing this all season, so come along for the ride. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, we'll see you next week. I think we've got Statman Dave bringing nice. all the stats that you need for the United versus Liverpool game. Uh, and, yeah, thanks again. Cool. See you next time. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.